You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from the Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We truly appreciate it. Plus, also as well, if you can get my playoff cohort in crime, you can give his awesome shows, the Run the Floor Podcast and the NBA Draft Junkies Podcast, Give him the same amount of love with a five-star review. It is truly appreciated. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, anything you could do to support both of our outlets, truly cannot thank you enough for doing so. Well, not too much drama today. A little bit in the second game, but certainly not in the first, as Boston took home a victory to go up two. Excuse me, three games to two in their series, and the Clippers won this evening. They won. They, they just pulled out at the end of the fourth quarter with a basically a very good fourth quarter as far as on the defensive end with a 113-107 to 107 victory over the Denver Nuggets. And here today to talk about both games is my good friend. You know him as the mastermind behind NBA Draft Junkies. You are looking at right now on Facebook all the different things you're seeing right now off of his YouTube channel if you're watching on Facebook Live as far as podcasts, as far as profiles, interviews, so much more. Anything of regards to the NBA draft, there is no better place to go than NBA Draft Chunkies. And of course, his Run the Floor podcast as well. It is my good friend, Mr. Raphael Barlow. And Raphael, eh, kind of like a slow night, comparatively speaking, from what we've seen so far in the bubble. Yeah, not much drama. I mean, the first game was a a blowout from the start. It seemed like it. And then... um, the second game, I mean, Denver was Denver's up the majority of the game, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, and they had actually and then, pulled out to a 97-90 lead off of a Mason Plumlee three in the fourth quarter, I believe. And then they just pretty much collapsed from there. I mean, the defense on, on the Clippers, they really hunkered down. Kawhi played some extraordinary defense once again. And Paul George, Paul George was a definite factor today. Yeah, I thought that um, down the stretch, Denver had some good looks that they missed. I, I know there was a couple corner threes that they had good looks that they weren't able to knock down. And then also felt like there were a couple plays where Jokic um, probably should have looked to shoot it instead of instead of passing it. But the Clippers defense came through late in the game and 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 they won. I mean, it would have been um, it would have been crazy to see them go down two one. Absolutely. There would have been a lot more interesting things to see on 
social media. I know I saw I know I saw a lot of things last night in regards to West Brick and yeah, saw how that was, was trending last night on Twitter. So I would imagine what would have been out there trending on Twitter this evening had the Clippers lost. But they didn't lose. They won. Uh, I think really what it comes down to was a better effort from Paul George, more consistency there in his, you know, as far as what he wanted to go ahead and do. I know he's been going through a lot here in the bubble, so I don't want to go ahead and get on his case too much because it's been a struggle for him both physically and mentally so far in the bubble. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely has. Um, and, and I think the mental aspect probably has a lot to do with social media. I mean, ever since he called himself Playoff P, he kind of dug himself in a, in a hole with social media because um, anytime he doesn't play well, they're going to, uh, you know, kind of give him a hard time. So, um, but yeah, I mean, he played well, 32 points tonight. And the Clippers are going to be tough to beat if they can get that type of performance from him and Kawhi. Kawhi shot under 50%. But he still uh, chipped in 14 20, rebounds, six assists, 23 points. Yeah. Big block at the end. Um, but yeah, Clippers are going to be tough to beat if they can get if they can get their their two superstars to to play well and then just get a little bit of help from the role players. But I mean, everybody expected them to win this series. I thought it was going to get interesting for a second. I thought it was going to get interesting as well. I mean, it looks like now that this is going to be the turning point for them in their series, I think, when this is a game Denver very easily could have won because they were leading in the fourth quarter. And I think that, you know, they just, you, you got to get it done. When you are the underdog and you have them up and up, similar to what Houston had yesterday, they had mm-hmm. come back from that 21-point lead, they had a five, six-point lead on the Lakers, and they just couldn't get the job done. Same thing with Denver. You, When you've got that heavily favored team on the ropes, you got to go ahead and do what you can to knock them out. Yeah, and uh, sometimes it comes down to which team has the better players at the end as far as, like, superstars, which superstars take over. And then, and, um, you know, the case for Denver – I, I think Jokic just had like a floater maybe in the last few minutes of the game, but he was and, and Murray had a I mean he had his his dunk blocked <laughs> by Kawhi that was a great play, and then Kawhi just made big plays. Patrick Beverly came up with a big offensive rebound. Harrell stepped up. I mean the Clippers have more overall talent than the Nuggets, so it shouldn't come by surprise that they won. Uh, but so. If, if you're Denver, you have to feel like, man, we let one get away from us. We had a chance to to go up 2-1 over the favorites. So we'll see um, the next game. I mean, it's kind of easy to count Denver out, but we I learned last series that they're never out of it, man. They were down 3-1, and they came back and won. So I wouldn't be shocked if it's 2-2 after the next game. And that's something I wanted to ask you before we head over to Boston and Toronto was Jamal Murray was such a great factor for most of the last series, but there was a couple of games where he just didn't have it. Same thing it looks like it's applied here for this evening because, you know, in games like these, he, and he, the way he perceives himself now after those outstanding games against Donovan Mitchell in that first round, 
he just put himself on that plateau. And you, you and I were like, should he we call him a star? Should we not? Should we? Should we? Well, he didn't play like one tonight. Yeah, I mean, he struggled, and I think five for seventeen, I believe. Yes. And I, I just think Denver is going to need him to score twenty-five to thirty plus a night in order for them to beat the Clippers. Easier said than done, especially against the Clippers' wing defenders, and you know, with uh, Beverly, Kawhi, and PG, there it's kind of tough because they can rotate those three guys on you. But that's the only way, in my opinion, Denver has a fighting chance to win is they're going to need him to put up 25 to 30 points per game. Absolutely. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And then Nikola Jokic still has to he provide. Showed he showed, yeah, he up, showed today. up today. Yeah. But he, he still uh, has to provide that consistency still going forward, even if Jamal Murray is, is filling the, filling the bucket. So, I mean, it, it still has to have that one, two punch that we're seeing these elite teams have i mean even houston to a point when westbrook or westbrick or westbrook and harden are clicking i mean that's when houston is at their their most effective and you see the same thing here with lakers and the clippers when they have their big two going it's really hard to stop i i think it's actually more than than the big two i think it's the big three because if the lakers they're going to have a hard time winning if LeBron scores 30 and AD scores 30, but the other guys are knocking down outside shots. I think that's that's the key for the Lakers to win. I think for Houston, you're going to need Eric Gordon to be that consistent third scorer. And for Denver, I believe that they're going to need Jokic, Porter Jr., and um, Murray to at least combine for 65 to 70 to to have an opportunity to win. And so I think like, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I just think it comes down to your superstars and then which team has the role player that steps up. Like, you know, we can use yesterday's game, for example, um, Markeith Morris was, was big. He, he got him started in the first half and then Rondo and, and Kuzma kind of chipped in the second half. And then if you look at Houston, Harden played well, Gordon played well, but Westbrook provided nothing. And that may have been the difference. That may have been the difference indeed. And you could be very well right on that where a third player could be the very much the key who has that third player on any of the teams, which one steps up the most for each team, whether it's the Clippers, whether it's Boston, whether it's Toronto, whoever, whoever has that third player step up, that could definitely be the key on who makes it out alive in the NBA playoffs. So that's going to have to wait and see is because it seems to be shifting each and every game. There seems to be no continuous momentum that any of these teams can make at this point in time, which we'll be talking about here in a sec. But in order to regain back that momentum, what does Denver have to do really to focus in on maybe slowing down the Clippers. I'm not asking for, you know, another hopeful game where either PG or Kawhi shoots absolutely horrid. I mean, they've been doing that on their own. I don't think it's been a situation where the defense has come to play, but per se, I've just seen these guys, whether it's PG or whether it's Kawhi, alternate on having bad games. The thing is, when they have their bad games, how can you go ahead and still capitalize on that if you're Denver? You need your big three scores. You know, your, your top three guys to uh, to perform well. I think uh, Porter Jr. played well. And 
obviously Jokic had a big game, 32, 32 points, I believe. Yes. And um, but yeah, you gotta have. I mean, I think you need your your big three to score, and then as far in order to beat the Clippers, you just gotta hope Paul George is in one of his funks, and maybe Kawhi is off. Um, Lou Will wasn't. He he didn't shoot too well today from the floor, um, but he did have a big basket at the end. I know um, Marcus Morris chipped in, kind of chipped in where his brother left off yesterday and had uh, 12 points and shot the ball well. So um, if you're Denver, you just, like I say, you're, you're, you're not the favorite. You're not the most talented team on paper. You're just going to have to have everybody clicking. You need your big three scores to combine for at least 65 to 70 points, in my opinion, to win. There we go. Well, once again, it's Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies. you got to check out what he's doing today at NBADraftJunkies.com or be a subscriber of the over 12,000 subscribers that are part of the NBA Draft Junkies family on YouTube today. Be part of that awesome, awesome collection of, of people that are just following the draft as no other. Well, you can do no other place than the NBA Draft Junkies on YouTube because it's just truly that awesome indeed. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. I see the potential for basically like another Netflix kind of paradigm shift where here comes this other major player. They have a ton of resources. Apple could change the way that entertainment is consumed. They say it's the only time this year that you'll have stars from each brand battling each other. And we know it's not going to be the case, but they like to say that and more power to them, I guess. Well, it's a big first step bringing all those superheroes together. There were definitely some parts of the movie that I that I really enjoyed. And then there were some parts that I thought just kind of fell short of expectation. Part of it has to be something to do with how it's being promoted. And this is a thing where audiences do not agree with critics. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse, every week on Apple Podcasts. And over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options. My friend, we're going to head over to Toronto and we're going to go ahead to Boston. And Boston just really had their way with Toronto today. I mean, just right from the get-go, it seemed like Toronto was out of it. And you and I had speculated, we thought this whole series had turned around when it came to what was going on after that last half-second shot. After a game that they were really looking off, Boston found its way today, and that's without getting Hayward back in the lineup. So I want to ask you this, my friend, when it comes to what is Boston doing so right? Because it seems to be still, even though uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are really playing well, to me, I think what's getting Toronto most is just the fact that they don't know where they're actually going to have to go ahead and focus on the defense because it seems so even as far as the production is concerned. Yeah, I mean, I think for... For Toronto, Siakam has to play better. Man, I, I don't remember what he averaged during the season, but I know it was in the it was in the twenties, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And so far in the playoffs, he's he's struggling. He's shooting forty one percent from the floor, twenty one percent from three. But today he was 18. five nine, five oh nine. That's only nine shots for your supposedly your top player. Yeah, he only had ten points and twenty eight minutes. He was a negative twenty five. So I think he may be the X factor. 
X factor for the Raptors. If he plays well, then I think that they have a better chance of winning. Boston has a lot of firepower, and they can afford for one of their guys to be off or, or two because they they just have, I mean, they just have a lot of guys that can that can come in and score twenty. I mean, and game one, I think it was game one where Marcus Smart went for what five five threes in a row, something like that. I mean, you can't depend on that, but. He's still a threat to to knock down shots. And I just think for Toronto, they they need a better version of Siakam. Even Nick Nurse made a comment about he doesn't know why he's he's struggling so far um in the playoffs compared to the regular season. Maybe the lights are brighter. You know, I mean playoffs are supposed to be tougher, but he just hasn't really been able to match the production he had in the regular season. And that's that's gonna be what's needed for Toronto if they want to advance. And they're obviously what they're doing is not working at times for Toronto. It obviously didn't work today. So you see, for me, I see Gasol not giving you anything. I also see Serge Ibaka not doing much better. They're not really getting much out of the big man spot. So it looks like they're trying to go ahead a lot of times and match what Boston's trying to do with a smaller lineup. And similar to what we're seeing with the chess match going on with Houston and Los Angeles... When it comes to it, it looks like that when they go downsizing, it's not working at all. Because, But if worse, if they stick out a Marcus all there and keep him out there, he's being so ineffective right now, it's just really hurting them even more. So, I mean, we talked about, you know, you hear Laker Tom at, you know, just on and on and on about how JaVale McGee get out of the lineup, no Dwight Howard out of the lineup, no big men out of the lineup. The same thing could be said from what we're seeing with Toronto as well, because it just whatever they're working, whatever magic Nick Nurse is trying to create, it's just not consistently being effective for them. Yeah, you know, uh, when we talked about this series, I said Marcus Saul was going to be the X factor. I thought he's too big for Boston. I thought that he would be the difference maker, but man, was I wrong? He has. Let's see, 0 points, 4 points, 10 points, 6, and 7. So he's averaging 5 points a game this series. But Ibanka is supposed to come in and help provide a lift when Gasol's not in the lineup, and he's not doing much better. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely true. <laughs> but, you know, if your starting center is averaging 5 points a game, and then he's such a big part of their of their offense because when he's going, he's he's able to knock down shots, kind of open the defense up, and then he also is a facilitator. Yeah. And so, I mean, he's he's kind of lucky that <laughs> social media is not really paying attention to this series because, I mean, he's quietly had the the worst second round of all the guys who are considered – High level players. I mean, I know he's kind of up there in age, and so he's you're not expecting the same type of numbers that he put up in Memphis. But you know, five points a game from your starting centers is is not good. Do you see a game six where Toronto turns around? Because you and I had this going seven. I still think Toronto is going to turn around. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm still picking Toronto in seven. I'm holding to it. But my gosh, man, after a game like today, kind of makes you wonder, doesn't it? I still think Toronto's going to win the next game. still think he goes seven. Um, I mean, like, I, I feel like these teams are evenly matched in a sense. And so you just 
you just never know what you're going to get. I think their backs are against the wall, and I think they'll come out and play. But uh, they may have to make a lineup change. I mean, Ibaka has had – he's had two games under 10. He had a seven-point game today. He had two points in game three, but he's also had a 15, 17, 18-point game. So he's been more productive than Gasol. So they may need to go ahead and make a change and, and start uh, – Start Ibaka. I mean, the season's on the line at this point, so I would I would definitely uh, make a lineup change. Hopefully, Nick Nurse is a little bit more proactive than what we see out of going so far. Some other coaches, Budenholzer and Frank Vogel, about making changes to the starting lineup. So you know, I think that just some at some point in time, you have to go ahead and bite the bullet. And like you said, with the seasons on the line. After a really, really tough loss, not a close loss, but it really got your, your butt kicked, I think you really have to go ahead and reconsider things. And it looks like right now that I agree with you that you might want to go ahead and make the change now and see how it plays out. Yeah, I mean, I think in this case, they may, they have to. The season's on the line. Even though I think we have, everybody wants Vogel to make a change, he doesn't have to. They're up. Well, they're not up, but it's tied. So they're not in a position where the backs are against the wall. In Milwaukee, you're one game away from elimination, so you have to make some type of change or adjustment. And so I think of the the three names that were mentioned, I think Vogel has the most leeway because he's he's not trailing in the series. He still has still has a few games. I mean, Houston needs to win two more games before the Lakers back is against the wall. But in the other case, yeah, you can, I mean if you start if you start Gasol, you may have to take him out in, at the first two minutes of the game. Then why start him at all? Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> start him, let him get up and down. I mean, I think the Lakers have, did it with JaVale. I, mean, I don't know what he played in the first played the first five minutes, maybe yeah. something like that. Mm-hmm. And then he didn't play again. So I may do that. I mean, hopefully you don't get off to, you know, you're not down by 15 in the first five minutes. But even like Milwaukee, it seems like no matter what, they still they have a certain time where they take Giannis out, and and um, I know a lot of I think even with the Lakers, LeBron comes out at the five minute mark. Yep, most first quarters. So, yep. Yeah, I mean, if I'm, I don't know. I mean, I may or may not start him. It depends, but I'm definitely cutting his minutes and then playing a Baca thirty five forty minutes if I need to. Do you still see uh, going forward a situation where they're going to play Giannis? I mean, because Giannis still has been very adamant about wanting to play tomorrow's game, but re-injuring an ankle for the second time. You know, I know we talked about it on yesterday's show, but you know, as it gets closer to game time, I'm still thinking at this point in time that Milwaukee still has to play it safe. Yeah, I wouldn't play him. It's a tricky situation because. You know, you have to protect the athlete from themselves in a lot of times. And Giannis is probably thinking, I was on my way to a dominant performance because he had, what, 19 in the first 11 minutes? Mm-hmm. I imagine he's going to want to play. If you don't play him, he could say, you know what? We were fighting for a championship. Why didn't you Why didn't you play me? Or if you do play him, then the worst-case scenario happens, he re-injures it. Then now you may have a, you know, it makes the negotiations going to this. I want to I keep want to say summer going into this uh, off season a little bit more tougher because he could be upset that 
you know, he re-injured his ankle and, you know, it could be a Durant situation, you know, just like last year, um, people felt like Durant shouldn't have played. He came back and then within a few minutes, it was something worse. You don't want that to happen, but also, you know, you don't want him to be upset and feels like you guys gave up on the championship team because they were down three to one. So Wayne in this situation, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't play him. I, I'd rather just take the risk, especially after we saw what happened with Kevin Durant last year. Exactly. Just what I was going to say, my friend, you hit it right there on the head that Kevin Durant situation where you listened to the player and you didn't listen to really what, what the, you know, the surrounding atmosphere was like and, and the, the potential injury was going to take place. So we were going to have to wait and see right. what Grant, I was going to say Grant Hill. Yeah. I remember as, as a Blazers fan, uh, I don't remember what year it was exactly. So maybe 2009, 2010-ish. I think I was living in LA at the time, but Brandon Roy had a meniscus injury like the last week of the season. They, uh, I think Grant and they played the Suns in the first round. Grant Hill told him, it's not worth it. Don't play. Don't play. He played, and he was just never the same after that. I think that was his last healthy healthy season. So I know in retrospect, he probably wishes that he would not have played. But, you know, the athlete ego is, is, is different. Yeah. You know, they feel like they can, you know, they can come out and play. They'll be fine. And for him, that was – a career-changing injury. Grant Hill was on pace to have a crazy career, probably one of the best in in this generation. And it was a playoff game where he toughed it out and made it worse. You know, we already talked about Durant, where he lost the season in his prime, trying to help a team in the in the finals. And on one hand, you can't really knock him for wanting to get out there and compete, but at the same time, it's just so sad because it happened. And like, well, I don't even know if he played ten minutes. Yeah, just just like that, it was it was over. So yeah, if I'm in Milwaukee, I'm playing it safe, but it's going to be hard to convince Giannis not to play. It will be hard, but I agree with you 100. Uh, percent And this time, you need to err on the side of uh, safety uh, for the player and his long term value going forward, whether it is with or without playing on your team. But at least you got to go ahead and plan out like he's going to stay on your team for the long term. And the mm-hmm. long-term investments there, and you'll just go ahead and suffer the consequences short-term for a longer benefit in the future. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break podcast. Hey, Lakers fans! Looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers, well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. We'll wait and see, my friend, what goes down tomorrow as the Lakers and Rockets in Game 3. And also as well, you've got, could it be a closeout for Miami tomorrow? We'll wait and see. In Game 5 for Miami and Milwaukee, Rafael and I will be back. I heard rumors Laker Tom, who just posted another article 
guess who it's on? <laughs> Rajon Rondo looking right there at you. You know, he's right back on the playoff Rondo train, Laker Tom is. So you can find out why at Lakerholics.com. You can also read great articles from Sean Grice, a.k.a. Magic Man, and Jamie Sweet on his five things. You'll check out Raphael's videos for on the Lakers side. Plus, you also will see there the Lakers fast break every episode right there for you as well. And of course, Raphael's got a ton of things that he is doing at NBA Draft Junkie. So before we head on out, my friend, please give everyone an update on what you're doing at NBA Draft Junkies. Uh, just uh, <laughs> uploading videos, uh, the Grant Riller videos. Not up yet. I, I thought I had it up today, but I want to make a, a little change to it. But I have a, a couple podcasts that I'll put up and um still trying to decide on the next prospect that I'll do after Grant Riller, but Grant Riller will be my next piece that's up. Well, there you go. You can find that at NBA Draft Junkies on YouTube. I'm giving everyone one last final look on Facebook Live. It's right there for you. Check out the tremendous amount of videos there right there waiting for you on draft prospects all over. So if you've got a favorite team in mind and you want to know, or you want to have at least a better idea of what your team may do in the draft and have some good ideas on who you think they should pick in the draft, there's no place better to go to than NBADraftJunkies.com, NBA Draft Junkies on YouTube, and there's two great podcasts, NBA Draft Junkies and the Run the Floor podcast. For me as well, we're actually going to be starting up again with Chris Sardieri, the Inside Sports Fantasy Football. So check that out this week. And, well, just in time for NFL, of course. And then I also dropped this week, in fact, I dropped it earlier today, the Pop Culture Cosmos. We check in on all the latest news and trends in pop culture. And I have a great interview with Seth Porges, one of the directors of the number one movie right now on HBO Max, Class Action Park. Well, again, if you have any questions... He is at Barlow500 or at NBA Draft Junkies. I am at Lakers Fast Break. If you want to get it, if you want to go ahead and troll Laker Tom about mm-hmm. Rajon Rondo or any of his crazy trades, or give him a thank you for all the great work that he does with his awesome articles, go ahead and do that at Laker Tom. He'll be here tomorrow, rest assured, along with possibly. Magic Man, I've heard even Fernando, a.k.a. Content Creators 805, he said he wanted to be here on Tuesday, so I'm hoping to finally see him in person. Could be Jamie Sweet. You never know who's going to show up to here at the Lakers Fast Break, but I'll tell you what, it is going to be interesting to see what takes place in Game 3 tomorrow for the Lakers and the Rockets. Of course, Game 5 for Milwaukee and Miami. So for Rafael Barlow, this is Gerald Glassford. We truly appreciate you watching the Lakers Fast Break and hopefully everyone out there listening as well. We truly appreciate it. Stay tuned on our coverage each and every day for the NBA playoffs right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>